Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Hey, shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bears Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from Southwest Louisiana. I hope that you are doing, you and your family are doing extremely well, and I hope you're having a marvelous week, and I hope that Hashem is moving in your life and speaking to you and uh, leading you, especially during this incredible time that we're in of Elul and approaching the fall feasts. What an awesome and exciting and busy time it is, spiritually and introspectively, and uh, so I just, I hope you're doing really, really well. Um, We have a great show today that I'm super excited to bring you, and uh, the topic of biblical scholarship and a special guest that I can't wait for you to hear from. But before we do that, just a couple things I want to mention um, very quickly. First of all, I uh, want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has reached out to us uh, with Hurricane Ida coming through. If you're listening to this uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, later in the week, uh, then Hurricane Ida has already come and, and done her thing and moved out. Uh, but we've had so many people that have contacted us and, uh, and been praying for us and supporting us, and I want to just say thank you. We are on the western side of the state, close to the Texas border, and if you're watching the news, you've seen that Ida is making her way across the southeastern part of the state, so cities like Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and just a ton of small rural communities in that area are, uh, by the time you hear this again, are going to be absolutely devastated. And so uh, we appreciate your prayers and concern. Please continue to pray for those families uh, and those folks, the leadership that is trying to navigate all this chaos and devastation, because it's, uh, by the time you hear this again, it's probably going to be severe. And uh, so we will also be looking for ways to support. Uh, We were just so freely given to uh, by so many of you all across the country last Last year that sent in donations and and some people drove for 10 12 hours to bring stuff it was just overwhelming and uh, so we were we were so blessed last year we want to pass that on so uh, we'll be giving some opportunities either through our website or our local ministries there in the uh, more the eastern part of the state where we know that resources are going to get to where they need to go so uh, be looking for that if you're interested at all uh, but thank you for that uh, the second thing I wanted to just mention uh, it's it's a heavy topic and and uh, I, I but my my heart is broken, and my heart is very heavy the last week or so um, for our military. And we know we pray for our, our government leaders and our military often on the show, but uh, we, uh, we lost 13 uh, incredible uh, men and women last week, and uh, you know, average age, 22, 23 years old. And uh, it, it just it should break all of our hearts, no matter what your political leaning is. Um, you know, what, what, what sides you're on. There's no sides when it comes to the loyalty that these men and women showed our country and to us. And uh, we should take that very, very seriously. And so I just uh, ask you to join with us. And as I know you already are and praying for their families and the families of all the the, uh, the soldiers that are still there uh, that are trying to make their way out uh, as they retrograde and uh, and get out safely uh, with with no other other casualties uh, and so uh, just you know it 's important for us to do that uh, it 's very very important that we hold those folks that are serving us close to our hearts and close in our prayers 
And uh, so, as I said, this is the approaching the fall feast, the time of Elul. And uh, I just, I really hope that God is is just messing your world up in a good way. And uh, and as we approach Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Uh, so our topic today, as I said, is biblical scholarship. Uh, now, some of you may n- think you know what biblical scholarship is. Um, some of you may you may have taken classes. You may be very well aware of what biblical scholarship is. Some of you may think you know and not sh- quite sure. Uh, some of you may have a really negative view of biblical scholarship <clears throat> and what you think it is and, and, uh, and, and some experiences maybe that you've even had. So today I have a, a very good friend and just an all-out fantastic guy, Matt Knapper uh, from West Monroe, Louisiana, who hopefully we're going to clear some of this stuff up for you and give you a little better way to think about what biblical scholarship is, what it's trying to do, and uh, so that it can be a great tool for our growth and for the growth of the kingdom. So Matt, welcome to Image. Bears Radio, man. Thanks for being on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Great. So, uh, so Matt wears a lot of hats. Um, you, you, you're a dad. You're a pastor. You do all kinds of stuff. So, take a few minutes, man. Just kind of tell us, tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Matt Napper. Like you said, I'm from West Monroe. Kind of live outside of West Monroe now. Uh, first and foremost, the most important aspect of my background is that I was once a completely wicked person. And uh, through the blood of the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, I was redeemed and brought near and made one with Israel. I am a son of the living God. So um, I am a a husband to an amazing wife who keeps, uh, brings order. She does God's work of bringing order to my life. Um, I have five beautiful children. I had this marvelous idea since my name is Matt. My wife is Melissa of naming all my kids with M's. So uh, Mariah, Maya, Michaela. Malachi Michael. Um, if I try to holler for one, usually they all get called at once. So um, I don't know why I thought that was a great idea. And we have a dog named Molly. So um, excellent. I'm a pastor, Bait Shalom uh, Messianic Congregation in Monroe, uh, only Messianic congregation really in Northeast Louisiana. Uh, I co pastor that with two other wonderful servants of God, Layman Tucker and uh, Nathan Hall. Um, I am wrapping up a career in the military, so I have about two more years until I have uh, 20 years of active federal service, though this November will be, excuse me, 20 years total service in the military for me. Um, And I am in school, uh, so I have an undergrad in social sciences uh, from university here locally in Monroe, Um, have a master's in Old Testament studies, and currently working on a PhD in Old Testament studies as well. Well, I guess the question is, when do you sleep? Well, I don't, you know, I think you and I have had this conversation too. Like somebody asked me the other day, so I have a lot of little pet projects too. Like I currently decided to uh, hand write the entire Bible by hand. It'll take a few years to do that. Uh, I'm, I participate in multiple Bible studies throughout the week with multiple denominations, uh, pastor, church, study, all that good stuff. And um, someone asked me, like, how do you manage your time appropriately? And I said, well, that's I give myself more time than others. I only sleep, you know, four or five, four or five hours a night at the most. So, yeah, something something's got to give. Well, it's it's a good thing. And man, I uh, thank you for your service as always. I, you know, I don't I, I don't always know if you know if. if if servicemen and women like to hear that, but it's our only way of really expressing our gratitude. And, um, you know, we, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on, you know, the, the, the Afghanistan thing, but I, I can imagine it affects all of you even more so than it does us. So, um, we, we just appreciate your 20 years of service and, um, 
and, and so very, so very, very much. So your uh, your master's is in Old Testament studies. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, I wanted to bring you on, Matt, because I, I, you're a, to me, you're a student's student um, and always learning and, and always uh, never afraid to ask the hard questions and get into the, the, the thick of things. And um, one of the, the I think one of the great hallmarks of kind of the Hebrew roots, Torah movement, uh, Messianic movement, which is the audience that that we speak to, um, one of the greatest uh blessings that came out of that movement, I think, is, or for me at least, is just the ability to be able to question things without feeling like you're, uh, like you're a heretic, right? Or, oh, sure, you know, sure. the, one of the first questions that I, that I had when I first started this journey was about salvation. And I remember I talked to you, you probably don't remember this, but I talked to you and, and you told me, you said, get a legal pad and write down every major doctrine that you can think of and go through them one by one and systematically search them out, ask all the questions, look all the look at all the scripture, look at all the commentary, you know, and and that was so helpful as a way to kind of put things in order. And um, mm. and and so I really appreciate someone who's not afraid to ask and throw around questions and 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 really get into stuff that people don't really want to talk about. And so for me, I'm not a biblical scholar. I've never been to school. I've never been to seminary. Um, I know I have a call of God on my life. That's about all I can I have to <laughs> to show for it. Amen. And, uh, Amen. and and you know, and that sometimes that's enough, but it needs to be supplemented. And that's where guys like you are really just super important for for me, guys like me, and and for the the kingdom, you know, the mom and dad who's who works all day and they love God and they want to teach their children, they want to serve God as much as, as as he wants, and yet they don't have time to read for six, eight, ten hours a day. They don't, you know, they can't put the time into study and and those kinds of things. Are people that just even don't even know where to start uh, because there's so much information out there, man. And with the internet today, there's so much good and bad. And uh, with all of these things, it can be overwhelming. It can be a sea of knowledge, and it can paralyze some people that really do want to grow. They just don't know where to start. And, and uh, so I, let me, so let me ask you this, if you could start us off by just when, when we say biblical scholarship, what is, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a wide range of, it's a broad topic and it's something that I misunderstood when I first started school. Uh, I graduated my undergrad, I think back in, I can't remember if it was 2010 or 2011. And I had no idea I, I was going to go into gerontology and, and you look at what God does in your life specifically for you. Uh, our school had one of the best gerontology schools in, in the nation. And I, I love and, old and gerontology people. is. Yeah. Study of old people. I mean, okay. I love old people. It's uh, and I wanted to go into gerontology with nutrition where, you know, I wanted to work in a nursing home and, and provide diets and help them. Cause one of the things aging people struggle the most with is eating. Um, so we had one of the best programs in the nation and the, the head of the, the program, he passed away right when I was going to apply and go into that school and they shut the program down. And so then I just kind of was left, well, I guess I wasn't meant to go to, to uh, graduate school. And then later on, you know, I, and I, st- I had these thoughts that some of you out there may have, you know, I called seminary, cemetery, you know, and I just thought people go to Bible college, Bible university, seminary, whatever you want to call it. They go there to get brainwashed. I, I heard it uh, just recently, but they go to get brainwashed. I kind of had that same thing, that same mentality, not because I looked into it and found what it was and called it that, but just because I parroted what someone else said. But I'm in the military, so the military pays me to go to school sometimes, uh, all the way up through my master's anyway. And so I said, well, I'll at least let the military pay for me to learn Hebrew. I, you know, find a way to learn Hebrew the right way and be a good little 
uh, Messianic uh, Hebrew Reader. And um, I, so I entered in a master's program in Old Testament, started my first semester. Hebrew was one of those classes. And after my first semester, it was heavy on the, on me that God had something way more in store for me. One, I completely misunderstood biblical scholarship. Two, um, you know, there, there was so much more out there that I did not know and had no clue about that, that God was revealing to me. So um, that doesn't really answer your question, but <laughs> biblical, school, biblical scholarship is misunderstood on the, on the school level because we loop everything, we lump all things in seminary together, and you really have two sides. This hasn't always been the case. Um, up until about 50 years ago, um, it, it started. Uh, back in the day, seminary was one thing. You went to school for seminary, you learned the languages, you learned the Bible, you learned the nuts and bolts, the history, the archaeology, everything. They started having a spread about, I don't know, 50 years ago, I guess, and where now you have a scholarly side of biblical scholarship, uh, and that is truly what I would say is biblical scholarship. And then you have the theological side. It's, it's completely different programs. And if you're familiar with higher learning, um, to give you an idea of how that flow goes, if you're in your undergraduate, you would get a, a bachelor's uh, of arts in biblical studies, or you would choose something like, and I'm looking at my own school's programs here, or you would choose a, a, um, a bachelor's of science and ministry and Bible. Those are two separate things there. And, and the bachelor of arts and biblical studies is kind of the scholarly side where you're going to take languages and all that stuff on the, uh, masters. It's a master of arts and it's usually in something like Hebrew Bible or, uh, biblical studies in general, or you're going to get what most people are familiar with a master of divinity. And that's your theological side. And then at, at the, at the level I'm at right now, you would have a PhD in Old Testament or, or some New Testament or something like that, or you would have a doctor of ministry. And so you have those two flows, and those get misunderstood because, one, and I'll, I'll tell you how they're different. Uh, on the doctor of ministry side, for example, every professor will be of the denomination that is associated with that school. So, like, I go to a Church of Christ University. Every professor in the doctor of ministry is church of Christ affiliated and has to be. And, but on the, on the PhD side, I have professors who are not church of Christ. Um, and there is no discussion about denominations. So, um, and if uh, you, you got something, just jump in, cause I'll keep rolling with this and explain yeah, no. the, the differences here. No, the, I think this is good because it's, uh, you know, I had those same, the same, I grew up Southern Baptist and, uh, you know, it was, man, you got to go to Dallas Theological or you got to go to Southeastern or you got to, you know, whatever, if you were in ministry and, um, and, and, and we called it cemetery as well. It's funny you said that. Um, but it, most of that was, I think, because for us who were teenagers getting into college, we were just so full of zeal and, you know, no wisdom but we were so full of zeal and we were going to turn the world upside down for Christ by any means necessary. And we mm. saw these, these, these of our friends that, that, you know, surrendered to ministry and, and yeah, they, they went to seminary and four years later they came out like zombies. You know what I mean? It's just like, what, <laughs> what, what happened to you? You know, you, you were so excited and now you're just a wet blanket. And, uh, and, and a lot of that was wisdom that we didn't understand. You know, we just miss, mm. we, 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 we misunderstood what was happening. Um, but a lot of it is, is that I have friends that have gone through Baptist seminary and et cetera, et cetera. And, and a lot of it tends to be, and this is going to be really cynical sounding, but it's almost like a franchisee program. 
Like, you know, they teach yeah. you languages, teach you the Bible stuff, but really, like, here's how to run the church, and here's how to do youth programs, and here's how to do, you know. And and so mm-hmm. those are those are two. I, I guess it brings me to the question um, that we, for me, I really need to understand better is, what is the function of biblical scholarship? And, and I know that's that's languages, that's archaeology, that's a lot of different things. But if you could kind of condense in your mind, what is the function of biblical scholarship, maybe versus or in partnership with even the function of theology? Because when we come, mm-hmm. we grow up in church, we grew up in a theological system, not necessarily an mm-hmm. academic system, right? So mm-hmm. then yeah. how, do, how do we—I think that's why maybe why biblical scholarship gets a bad rap, because it discusses things and discusses scriptures in ways sometimes that are so foreign— to the theological mm-hmm. models that we grew up with. So can you kind of help us navigate that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe like I pulled up here, the two programs here at where I'm at the doctorate level, just to kind of give you an example of the, the vast differences between the two. And like I said, used to, uh, to use some Southern slang here, used to, <laughs> um, these programs were one and the same, you know, and you mentioned Dallas Theological Seminary. So that's, that's a good example for me to talk about something else. Um, some schools don't have two sides. Some schools are strictly theological schools. Mm. Um, so like D- Dallas Theological Seminary is one of those. Uh, but a lot of schools, you know, have both sides. So, um, but if you're looking at the difference here, so the doctorate of ministry in, in our, in our school, they have classes like uh, ministry and the contemporary world. Ministry in individuals and families, ministry in worship, uh, ministry in missiology, you know, all these uh, it's mm-hmm. ministry and controversial issues, ministry of administration, leadership, uh, homiletics, you know, ministry of grief, death and dying. That, mm-hmm. that I just went down the whole list and went about, you know, every third class. But that's that's what it covers on the doctor of ministry side. Now, I'll show you where I'm at. We have some core classes at the top that everyone has to take and. And it's like uh, research and biblical doctrine. Um, and that class is not what we think of as doctrine. We would call that theology. Uh, biblical doctrine is what, is what does the Bible say within the text itself, not what people mm-hmm. interpret it to say. Um, okay. I just finished a class on biblical ethics. And it's not necessarily how we apply ethics in our lives from the Bible. It's how, how the Bible pre- presents ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, my paper there was on the story of Dina and the ethical mm-hmm. issues within that chapter. Um, archaeology, a class on archaeology, and a class on the history of the Bible, that's literally taking how we went from Moses, if you, if you take Moses mm-hmm. to be the, the writer of all the, first, all the Torah, how we go from Moses to our Bibles today. You know, we, we go through all that. So you have a few classes like that. And then everything else <clears throat> is a textual class, um, and it's the whole Old Testament. So uh, through our class, we don't have enough time or the, the program is not large enough for us to take every book. But it sure. goes, you have a class on the Pentateuch, uh, Pentateuch or Torah, uh, Joshua and Judges, First and Second Samuel, First Kings. And what you're doing in those classes, because at this level, you've had Hebrew, you should have had at least two years of it. And so we're taking that class and we're literally going through the entire book and we're reading it in Hebrew. We're... Uh, doing translation, our own translations in Hebrew, and we're writing exegetical papers from the the Hebrew text on all these classes. And then you have, even at this level, you have some uh, what we call electives. All the Old Testament program electives are New Testament classes. So same thing, textual classes. Mm. You got to know Greek, 
um, and Greek's important for Septuagint studies, so it's it's good. And then you have a dissertation at the end, but that shows you the the, the vast difference. The the scholarly side is focused on the nuts and bolts. What I tell people, the nuts and bolts in the Bible, uh, who wrote it, when it was written, who was the audience, what was the perspective of the writer, what was the perspective of the audience, um, and what does you know what do the the original languages say. Uh, those are the nuts and bolts where really doctor of ministry. And, and I used to be more critical than I am now because it's needed. And some of the best scholars I've seen have a uh, master's of divinity mm. with a PhD in biblical studies. Uh, because yeah. I used to be, uh, you, you have a lot of people in leadership positions and pastorship who need some of this stuff on this side, the, the doctor of ministry. But those are the two yeah. sides there. And the goal of, you asked, so the goal of biblical studies is to search for the intent of the original message of the Bible. Mm. You know, um, and that sounds like it could flow over into theology. But I'll tell you, um, very seldom do we ever discuss theology in our classes at all. I think that's so fascinating. And, you know, you, you've even helped me a little bit because <clears throat> uh, the really you do need both sides. They're both both extremely, extremely important. Um, you know, we can spend all of our time, and I, and I think we find this out in our own lives, right, individually, that uh, with family, with friends, just in our small circles. You don't have to be a pastor or bishop or elder for this to be the case. But uh, we, may, we may know the Torah, for instance. We may know it really, really well. We may, we may know some Hebrew. We may you know, understand even the general arcs of Scripture and the connections from the front of the book to the back of the book. And we may have a really great working knowledge of, of Scripture uh, through our own individual study and learning. <clears throat> However, when, when there is a... Uh, you know, um, uh, a death of an infant, or when there is, uh, you know, something really tragic, um, we can find it really hard to bridge that gap between our, you know, fundamentally immense knowledge and and a real practical way of putting that stuff into life-giving words, prayers, <clears throat> heart, and time spent. So I think that's really, really, really helpful that it's good for us to realize that these things are not uh, against each other. It's not versus each other, but they are. They should be in a partnership. Um, and one of the things you said mm. uh, is, you know, you talked about is that really the the theological side and the scholarship side, the academic side, really don't. I remember us having a conversation a year or so ago, uh, and we'll we'll talk about this in the next segment. But um, how scholarship has evolved over the years, mm. and I remember getting really excited and going like, man, I can't wait till that filters down into the pastor and stuff and and you said well that that probably is not going to happen really because the two sides really don't don't talk mm-hmm. um so so what does that look like in a in a you know in a classroom setting or just in a semester setting or from a faculty level what what does that look like yeah so uh for sure i'll, I'll um kind of give you an example we'll use a biblical text to show the example of how that's happened great um and like i said this used to be all one program right um, and before I give you that example, I'll tell you my mentor, Dr. Cloud, uh, took me under his wing for whatever reason. He was the head of the department for my biblical studies, and he's been teaching the Bible for over, he's 87. He's been teaching at the college level since he was 30. Wow. He told me this year, he said, Matt, I need you to hurry up and graduate. My, my, my end of career goal is to see you walk across the stage with your doctorate, but I also had a goal of finishing teaching by the time I was 90. So I need you to come on. But <laughs> wow. um, He said one time I asked him, I said, this was early in my master's. I said, how is it? Cause we were talking about the difference between liberal scholars and, 
and conservative scholars, not politically affiliated at all. Liberal means they have a low view of scripture. And, right. um, but we can talk about that, you know, in the next segment. Yeah, yeah. I would, we, we've got only got about about twenty seconds left, and so I want to wrap this um, this segment up. We'll, we'll jump back into this in the next segment. I want I want to hear the story, and I want to encourage everybody um, that if you're at all interested in um, in taking an academic track, or, or listen, please uh, don't rely on on YouTube teachers. Look, I am one. I get it. But find out, contact Matt. We'll give his information at the end of the show, if, you know, whatever information he wants you to have. Um, and if this stuff interests you at all, go after it. This may be a place that, that God is really calling you. Uh, and just because you're not familiar with it or don't know that much about it doesn't mean, you know, shirk away from it and pass it off. This may be something that's really challenging you to look into. So we'll be right back with Matt Knapper in just a few moments right after the break. Don't go away. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio, where we are talking with Matt Knapper, who is uh, in his doctoral studies uh, right now in uh, biblical studies. So, Matt, you were in the last segment, you were telling us uh, we're going to use some scripture to show the kind of the difference between uh, an academic point of view and a theological point of view. Yep, for sure. I think I was talking about Dr. Cloud for a minute there, and, and yes. I asked him one time about liberal liberal scholarship is people that have a low view of Scripture, like they don't believe that it's God-inspired or they don't believe that it's, um, you know, whatever, divine or whatever, and a high view of Scripture or what we call conservative, so it's not politically affiliated. And I asked him, I said, how can you be so liberal? How can we have – we literally have atheist, atheist scholars of the Bible that are – some people respect very well for their work in biblical scholarship – and he sure. said, basically, you know, he kind of got frustrated, not with me, with the with the topic. He said, you know, we didn't always have a difference between scholarship and ministry. It used to be one program, one flow. And he said that, that, that is the result of being able to teach the Bible without applying it. And, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying a while ago. We have to remember yeah. that it's, you know. I think that's really interesting because I, as I've just, I mean, I've just barely dipped. The, the listeners of this show know that I'm not a reader. I don't like it. I never have. I mean, I can read, but I don't read. I don't comprehend. I just, I'm an auditory person. But as people like you, like other other guys that I've met in, in kind of in our circles, um, you really, you guys really challenge me to read and to, and to get into scholarship a little more because it's very, it is very, very important to a, a, a more balanced and correct under, way of understanding scripture. Um, but I started to realize that, man, there's, there's people that have dedicated 40, 50 years to studying one book and teaching one book of, the, of this Bible, and they mm. don't even believe it. Mm-hmm. it it's, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it, that part is, is really fascinating. What, what great wisdom from, uh, from Dr. Clout. Yep. So he, you know, he, he said, you know, he's the one that expressed to me or explained to me the difference of how it used to be versus now. And he said, you know, when they he started, I think he was at Lipscomb University uh, teaching there whenever he saw this this transition happen, or I, I can't remember where, but he's been at a few universities. He's retired and come back. He can't quit working. But um, <laughs> he said, I saw the split happen when they had a master's uh, program for youth 
youth ministry. And mm-hmm. he said, I was so disgusted because I don't need to teach you how to build campfires and encourage youth to come to church. I need mm-hmm. to teach you the Bible. And if God hasn't led you to know how to get them there, then it's probably not the position for you. But we have wow. youth ministers now who we don't teach how to read the Bible and how to share that knowledge with young people. And so that was his frustration with this whole concept. Absolutely. But we'll go to a, a passage, and I don't have it pulled up, but everyone will know it. Um, you shall not bull a kid of his mother's milk. Uh, oh, or you shall man. Not a, you shall not bull a kid in his mother's milk, right? It's yep. an instruction three, that's mentioned. three times in the Torah. Three times. Yep. Yeah, three times yep. in the yep. Torah, right? And if I was to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot here, ask you what you think. Um, I think I might know, you, you may know the answer of where I'm going, but what do you think most people in your audience would think is the reason for that instruction? Why did God the give reason, us that instruction? The reason yeah, like, for the instruction. Hmm. Uh, I, I, it's so hard to say what people would say. What I would say is I would think it had to do something with fertility rights um, of the pagans, and that was a distinction that Hashem was making in the Torah between Israel and the nations. That would be my best similar, guess. Yeah, so that's similar to what most people think. And so in 1921, we had this huge archaeological discovery at, uh, at Rosh Hashanah uh, with thousands of tablets, right? And in 1921, mm-hmm. we discovered a tablet that seemingly answered the question of what is the meaning of this instruction? And so the person who found it, mind you, back then, we don't have digital photography. We don't have a lot of stuff that we have today, Right. So this clay tablet mm-hmm. comes about, and we're solely trusting this one scholar who dug this tablet up to tell us what it says. Not only does he have the tablet, and we can't pass around pictures, uh, it's in Ugaritic, and there's very few scholars in the world at that time especially. <laughs> who, who would be able to in translate the 20s, it? right. Right. And so he translates this, this passage, and he says, um, he gets really excited about this. You know, He says, this tablet answers the question. Because here's a pagan fertility rite where they told people in worship to boil a kid in the milk of its mother. And so it seemed to answer the question. God was separating the, the worship rites of the pagans around them. Uh, 1970, I can't remember when, in the 1970s, uh, digital photography came about. And uh, somewhat, not like we have today, but uh, photography came about where they could, you know, pass things around through like magazines or paper, you know, uh, we have print mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so other scholars for the first time in 50 years were able to look at actual pictures of this tablet. And when they, these other scholars viewed this tablet, they said, well, wait a minute. That's not what this tablet says. First of all, the text is highly damaged. Uh, second of all, mm-hmm. that's, that's not what it says. It actually says um, something along the lines of, um, you know, celebrating their deity with uh, butter and mint and uh, milk and something else. They were delicacies in the ancient world. We have ice cream. They Mm -hmm. had, you know, butter with mint. So um, it had nothing to do. And when that was done away with, we we have literally no examples in the entire ancient world that we have unearthed today that have any pagan association to worship and, you know, these young animals in the milk of their mother. So – um, but today, still, you will find many people, even in scholarship, parroting this idea that this tablet. Um, we, I had a class, and I wouldn't name the professor, but I had a class just like last year who brought this very thing up. 
And after class, I would never shame them in class. And I had to, I had to call him and say, Hey, look, I want to share some scholarship with you that has shown that that's not accurate. And he was very, very grateful and appreciative. He said, I had no idea, but wow. the amount, the, the trickle from discovery to peer review and down to just the, the school level of biblical scholarship schools is so long. You're talking 1921. We're here a hundred years later still teaching something that's not accurate. Imagine how far it takes now to get from our side of the aisle to the ministry side and someone in the pulpit right. preaching. Right. That's so good. And, and you know, just because this is kind of a sacred cow in our circles, um, the the first thing that comes to mind is the tale of two Babylons, right? Um, yeah. What was that guy? Uh, Alexander Hislop, right? Yeah, I mean, Hislop. If I if I understand the history right, and this may hurt some people's feelings, but but this to me gets at the point of 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 uh, doctrine or theology versus scholarship. I'll say it in, in that mm-hmm. way, and, and I'll talk about why I mean that. It's because um, didn't Hislop write that in the mid late eighteen hundreds, something like yes. that? It, it was yeah, yeah. It, right, and and it went off like fire, and and then scholars started to go like, wait, no, like there's the scholarship squashed that not long after it was written. If I'm if I remember right, well, yeah, and it then, actually took a while uh, longer than I wish it yeah. would have. Right, right, but yeah. then, but it did. It kind of went, it went, went underground, right? The book kind of yep. went dormant. Yep. The the ideas kind of went dormant, and then all of a sudden, in what maybe the fifties, sixties or so, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's massive resurgence of this book, and and how much of and if you don't know, Alexander Hislop and the Tale of Two Babylons basically tracks the story of Nimrod, Ishtar. And that's where we get Easter from, and the Christmas tree. And it, and it, he makes all these. I'm using air quotes. You can't see them. <laughs> he makes all these quote unquote connections um, in in the Bible and in the ancient world that are really not there at all. And and peers, uh, his his scholastic peers came out and said like, no, this is it's crap theology. Excuse my language. It's 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 bad. You know, it's bad uh, bad scholarships rather. And and so it kind of it kind of died down, and then all of a sudden, man, it just reemerged. And how much of our in the Torah messianic world, how much of our understanding of Scripture as a whole, the whole arc of Scripture, is built as foundation? Its bedrock is this Hislopian whatever scholarship, um, and and how much does that twist? And, and then and so for me, the importance of good scholarship, we've we've formed doctrines right out of Hislop. We we've taken quote unquote scholarship and we've made doctrines from that that scholarship, and so what's important about good biblical scholarship is that it it should challenge and push against um, what we feel is theology. It should be an accountability and a check on theology. Is that is that a good way, a fair way to say it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that that is a fair way to say it. Scholarship should work as a check to our theology for sure. Because right. we're coming up with our ideas of what God is or who God is and how he interacts. Um, and scholarship can say, for example, um, I, I don't know if I want to slay any more cows today. I'll use something else. I was <laughs> it's, gonna use... It's, it's all right. No, 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 it's good. Go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. Slay away. Uh, you know, we had in our movement, we had this thing, you know, the Olive Top thing, you know, the Olive in the Top. Um, right. And so Revelation, you know, Yeshua is the Olive in the Top. Uh, what mm-hmm. it's saying there. Uh, and no biblical scholar, uh, and actually I know a biblical scholar who on the cover of one of his books has Olive Tav, and I said, 
oh no, I hope nobody gets a hold of this because they'll think he's, but he's not. He understands the way it meant. Aleph and Tav is the first and last letter of the alphabet. Alpha and Omega, same way. It's the, the concept there is saying he is everything. He's eternal. He he is in the beginning and the end. Uh, there's no mystical injection into Old Testament text. So we took that and we said, every time we see an Aleph and Tav together in the Old Testament, it's pointing to Jesus. Well, are you, That's Yeshua, me, yeah. same thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But But every time we see that, that's what it means. What well, you're going to have some problems there because there's some, some places because it's the most common word in the Bible, uh, right. in the Hebrew Bible. You're going to come into some places where you don't want Yeshua associated with the, the sentence that's being right. said. And, and biblical and not only you bring that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. There's a little delay, guys, so, so forgive me. I'm, I'm not trying to be interrupted. Um, but not only have we said, well, the Aleph Tav points to Yeshua, but some have taken it so far to say that is Yeshua. Like that yeah, is, that's right. that is yeah. Christ. That is a pre, you know, preexistent Christ in the tech. I mean, from a literal standpoint, and like you just said so yeah. well, like study it all out, go through all, however many thousands of times the Aleph Tav appears. There's some thousands. places that that doesn't work. Right. Right. And you take this concept to someone, a biblical scholar who has dedicated years, decades to studying the Hebrew text and the Hebrew language and the history of it. And, and, and they would just laugh and say, "That's a pointer to the indirect object of the sentence. That, that's right. not that that's, that that means something in the language. It, it it works functionally, and Revelation in no way is trying to point you to uh, that pointer in the Old Testament. It's trying to tell you a concept. And so many times we lose we lose the meaning and the message of the text by little pet doctrines like that because we don't." So scholarship checks us and says you can't apply that that way, right? And and I what I don't want anybody to do because w- listen when I first when I first studied studying Torah, um, I, I listened to you know very I never had teacher religion because I had been burned by teachers in the past and pastors really bad I had I had preacher hurt really bad, um, so I never kind of synced myself to one teacher, but I listened to a lot of different different teachers from different ends of the the Hebraic spectrum, and. Um, I I started to make my own connections, right, in, in Scripture. and though, But those connections were filtered through little pieces of teachings or whole teachings that contain little pieces of information that I had consumed over YouTube or from somebody's website or whatever. Um, but they were also filtered through a lot of baggage. Mm. Um, so I was looking for solutions to my church hurt, to my whatever, uh, my, my anger at the church not teaching me the, some things over all these years. I was looking for a, a solution to that, and actually that pain and that uh, disappointment um, worked as a filter to look for solutions that actually weren't there. And, and so when I started to approach scholarship, man, my feelings were hurt a lot. I mean, mm. a lot. When I started to listen to some, some podcasts, like the Bible Project, I promote all the time, um, uh, Pete Inns and the Bible, uh, Bible for Normal yeah. People, which if you don't have a strong stomach, stay away from it. <laughs> um, but when I started listening to some of, and reading some of this stuff, I mean, I was just felt like my toes were continually being stepped on, like somebody was trying to take away all these connections that, I, that, meant, that meant so much to me. And, mm. and it's, it's not really the, the case at all. But those connections sometimes can lead you down a really toxic path, uh, especially when, um, you know, like you said so well, the, these, a lot of these men and women in scholarship, we have to understand, they've spent, they've spent their life, their life's work, 30, 40 years studying literally the book of Isaiah. 
or, or just maybe a few chapters of Isaiah. And that's the bulk of their study of their life's work. And I mean, just think about it. And then we, we watch two or three hours of teachings and we, we think that we found the only truth that exists in Isaiah. Like, I mean, it just doesn't make good common sense. Mm. I, I know that we are, we're trying to get somewhere and we're trying to understand. And what I don't want to do is I don't want this to s- discourage anyone and say, well, then I don't know what's right, you know, and how do you know what's right? And how, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from study because, again, I think that's one of the strengths of what Hashem is doing when he opens our eyes to the Torah and this whole new world of discovery. It's, a, it's amazing. And and yet, I, so I don't want to. I don't want to say like stop searching. That's a God thing that He's causing you to search and causing you to dig. But but just be thoughtful and be mindful that there are people out there, and and they may not even agree with the, your Torah walk. But it doesn't take away from the fact that they have dedicated their lives to this text. And we, if we're going to make theological assumptions. We need to start from a good starting place, a good understanding of the text, right? From people who have studied it a long time, who have been peer-reviewed, right, who have accountability, et cetera, et cetera, and not just what somebody thinks that it should mean for me today. So kind of kind of transitioning from there, um, we're, about, we're about three-quarters of the way through the second segment. So I want to get into a little bit of how has, how has scholarship changed, because we— I know it, it can be it can be a really thing a hard thing to come out of the church right you're raised in church raised in Christianity come out of the church and all you want to ingest is Hebraic minded stuff or he, which my good friend our good friend Hanok Young says that like Hebraic stuff isn't even a thing it's it's you know it's biblical or it's Jewish that's that but that's a, he's a Jew so that's his that's his thing um, but when we want to ingest Hebraic stuff. Um, from Hebraic teachers, minded teachers, and and all of that, and so it can be a real put off for a lot of folks to learn from a Christian scholar, right? Um, because that yeah. just carries all kind of baggage with it. So, what can you tell us, man, about um, you know? Because there are Jewish scholars, right? A lot of Jewish scholars, but there's a good, in Absolutely. my experience, there's a good, there's a good chance that they're going to be way more advanced than what we can uh, than what we can process. I'm thinking about. Uh, is it Milgram on the book of Leviticus on Vayikra? Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is which is twenty eight hundred I mean, pages and, on Leviticus. Yeah, which is an I mean, it's an incredible resource. But you just start learning about Torah in the first couple of years. Don't try to dive into Milgram, right? Like mm-hmm. it's probably not a good place to start. So, so there are Jew- Jewish scholars, which you know some people have issues with that, et cetera, et cetera. But how does scholarship, whether Jewish or Christian? How does is it set apart, and how have you seen it progress? I guess more the question um, from maybe fifty, sixty years ago when it was tied to a theological side. Uh, mm. Since it's kind of been broken apart, there has been some bad, right? But isn't there also now been more of a freedom in scholarship to accept a more pronomian view, view of scripture and uh, and kind of explore that world a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And this isn't something new. I, I... You know, I think right now you're seeing a resurgence of it or a surge and and kind of crosstalk in that. Uh, but it's not something new. In the Middle Ages, uh, we see everybody in your uh, program would probably be um, familiar with uh, the exegetical uh, process, the four levels, the Peshat and all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But, you know, in Christian scholarship, they come out at the same time with almost identical four layers of Scripture. Uh, in the Middle Ages. Mm. And when you go back and you look, they're all studying together in France. And so you had crosstalk there as well. I mean, this isn't something new, wow. but it's interesting. I really think God led me to the the, the university I went to um, because 
as most of my professors are graduates of Hebrew Union, basically the Ivy League Jewish, mm-hmm. uh, one of one of a few Ivy League Jewish universities. Um, so right. they had uh, a background to that. They they were able to go. They got their PhDs in the Hebrew Bible from uh, a Jewish non-Christian school. Um, right. So I find myself my first semester stressed out about how am I going to operate in this school with my theological background. And Dr. Cloud finds out my theological background. He called me and asked me and uh, he said, well, what do you think about Acts 20 verse seven? You know, it's, it's the one where Peter, I mean, uh, Paul is going to go preach at night after the Sabbath, the first day of the week, it says, he said, what do you think that was Sunday morning? I said, well, actually Dr. Cloud, I would say it's right after Sabbath in a usual continuation of Shabbat uh, where they light candles, they have, Havdalah, and they continued to study throughout the night. Mm-hmm. He said, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I would say. And from that point forward, wow. him and all of my professors encouraged me in, they would give me assignments for papers that fell in line with what I would have a strength in, like a paper on the Sabbath mm-hmm. or a paper. Uh, I had Dr. Uh, uh, Fletcher, he passed away this past year. His lung collapsed and his replacement didn't go good. Uh, young scholar, but he contributed to what you're talking about, the new perspective on Paul. Paul and mm. reviewing how we're looking at Paul again he graduated from Hebrew Union he kept the Sabbath he would have our our uh, assignments were due on Friday he didn't want us to be tempted to work on anything on Sabbath and actively encouraged us every week be sure you rest on sa- on Saturday you know um, so you wow. kind of see that crosstalk across the board um, and, and you always see ebbs and flows one of my favorite classes was looking at the history of biblical scholarship. I was trying to think of what that class actually was called. That's not what it's called, but it was basically the history of how uh, scholarship has come through the years. And when I started the class, I thought after starting the class, I said, well, man, if I look back on the history and all the steps we've gone through in biblical scholarship, there's nothing else I have to contribute. But by the (laughs) end of the class, it made me realize there's always something else to contribute because they're always growing and moving and God's moving scholarship forward. So, um, Right, I'm kind of rambling that's, on there, that's, but that's, that's no, that's, that's great. Of, it's really uh, encouraging that um, you know we because we we come into the Torah walk right, and I mean let's, I'll just take me for instance. I mean I live in Rose Pine, Louisiana, right? There's like 1,500 people, not a Jew in sight, right? I mean the, mm-hmm. there's a ton. A God, we're gobsmacked with churches, but nobody that really you know knows Hebrew or really gives you know gives any care to the feast or the Sabbath and stuff. And you come out and you feel like you're all alone. So it really is encouraging that, you know, to hear you say that, no, this has always been, you said crosstalk. There's always been this inner faith, I guess we would say, kind of, kind of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So listen, in the last, in the last, I want to leave people with, you know, not just things to think about, but hopefully something they can use. So um, we got about, about two and a half minutes. Um, what would you say if someone is, is going like, okay, I get it. Um, but man, there's so much out there. Where do I, where do I oh, even right, start? Right. How, how would you help people navigate this, this, the academic world? Not, not necessarily wanting to go to school, but, yep. but just yep. a, a late How do they apply to, to themselves? Yeah. So sure. not everybody can go to school and, and you can get overwhelmed, like you said, with a commentary on, uh, Leviticus, it's 2800 pages or Craig Keener has a commentary on Acts that's, uh, 6,000 pages and 10,000 right. resources. <laughs> Um, you know, we think we can study Acts and say that we know what it means. Craig Keener read 10,000 books uh, or articles to come to his conclusions Yikes. and wrote 6,000 pages. So um, I think a good place to start, and this weekend I was at a, a Christian retreat, and I encourage the same thing to a lot of men there. Uh, start with a good, uh, this is going to sound crazy to your audience probably, start with a good 
uh, study Bible. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that, don't go buy John MacArthur's study Bible. John MacArthur is going to give you his theology in the bottom, right? Right. Go buy something like a uh, cultural background study Bible. Uh, a study yep, Bible I got mine right here. Yep. You got one, yeah. So one that yep. Yep. is produced by scholars. Um, I can't remember who's in there. I think Craig Keener and, uh, and one of our John favorites. Walton. John Walton. Yeah, John so Walton. John Walton, yeah. another graduate of Hebrew Union, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. John Walton went through that same school. So start with like a study Bible there and just read the bottom and you'll see a difference between how they approach the text and their commentary and, and how you're used to commentaries. And I will start there. And then if you feel comfortable, go out and start buying some of those shorter commentaries that come from the scholarly world and, and, and be open yeah. to viewing each, each text from multiple perspectives. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I would say too about the scholastic world is that they reference, right? So they're yes. going to cite sources, and then you go and you pick through those sources. And if a topic interests you, I mean, I'm not the expert, you are, but this is the way I found to be helpful. If, I find a, if I'm reading a passage and I find a, a scholastic note, an academic note, and they'll cite a source, and then I can go look at those papers, articles, books, whatever. Well, Matt, man, listen, we're going to wrap up. I'm so, I'm so thankful for your time. We could do this for another probably two shows. Um, but uh, listen, if, if people want to get in touch with you in the last 10 seconds or so, where's yep. the best place for them to find you? Yeah, Facebook, Matt Napper, M-A-T-T-N-A-P-P-I-E-R. And I'm always trying to be super approachable. Call me, 318-789-7359. Give me a call. I'd love to chat. That's great. I always tell people I don't listen to teachers who I can't be in touch with. Uh, I think that's really important. So thank you very much for doing that. Guys, thank you for listening to another episode of Image Bearers Radio. So good to be with you guys this week. And uh, next week we'll be back in the tour portions, but we've got some awesome guests lined up. So make sure to stick around, share the episodes. Until next week, shalom, shalom.